This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, April 30th. 2020 edition of Invest Talk, and I'm happy to tell everyone that we have our systems back up and running, and we now have our high fidelity audio. So uh, I think we're we're good for for now on. Now back in on January 1st, that was just uh, four months ago. I don't think anyone could imagined what would what happened here in 2020 it's been uh, i think definitely the craziest year of my life uh when it comes to to news and the economy and it's truly an unprecedented situation and the solution to this problem also is going to be unprecedented right we've never had a coronavirus vaccine so we're going to need to create one, or at least uh, that's what it seems like, right? We've never had an economic downturn like this, and we've never seen a Federal Reserve and governments turn to stimulus as quickly and as powerfully as, as they have as well. So you have a lot of cross-currents in the economy, and obviously as an investor, you probably have a wide range of finance and investment questions, and our goal each and every weekday is to give you unbiased answers and you want strategies that will help you deal with this volatility, how to navigate, where to allocate uh, capital so you can be prepared, protect on the downside, but still take advantage of the opportunities that are out there. And I will tell you, there are opportunities. So that's your goal. And we're here to help you achieve that goal of financial freedom, whatever that is for you. It's different for everybody. I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you will call me in this hour and through this Invest Talk radio program and podcast. I can help you become a better investor, and that's one, one way Steve and I do that is through a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. Once again, we are here to just give you the facts the way that we see it with as little bias as possible. Yes, everybody has some bias. I would agree with that. You can never say everything's without bias completely, but we're here to look at our screens, look at the data that we have, the experience that we have to just distill what we think is going to happen without political leaning or a a profit motive or anything like that. And on top of that, we only recommend investment strategies for our listeners, our clients that we implement for ourselves as well. So we have our money writing right alongside our clients. Now that I've set things up, I'm here ready to answer your investing and finance questions. Our anytime listener line is open at 888-989-CHART. Now, because of the COVID-19 stay-in-place orders throughout the country, Steve and I have postponed our travel trips, but we're ready and willing to go over your portfolio, uh, do a portfolio assessment via telephone, Skype. We have uh, Jive meeting rooms that we can hop into as well, and that's how the world's working right now. So we have certainly adapted and we'd love to help anybody out there that's struggling to create a portfolio that works for them uh, in this environment and going forward. 
So you can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KP financial offices in Irvine, California. Once again, you can learn more at investtalk.com. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story that the U.S. stocks could go even lower, but the strength of the rally can tell us about the potential magnitude of a move lower. And we're going to touch on that topic. Also, globalization. We've talked about how this is going to change globalization, but in what ways? And we're going to touch on how that's going to likely evolve over time. Probably not going to happen overnight, but over time. And next, we're going to talk about the disconnect between the global, or the, the I guess, yeah, the global economy and the stock market. And then lastly, how is this affecting real estate, especially commercial real estate and big city real estate as well? The expensive markets, we're going to touch on all of that. So that's what's on my mind today. Let's uh, look at the market. We had a modest down day. S&P was down about a percent and a half. NASDAQ down about 1.2%. And after hours, you had Amazon and Google, or not Google, Apple, reporting earnings. And both of them are, are down a little bit. Uh, Amazon's down about 4%, it looks like, after hours. Apple down a couple percent. So, you know, huge moves, but the Qs are, it looks like they're down, yeah, about 2% overall uh, after hours so far. So, we are in the midst of earnings season. The first bouts of the FANG stocks, the Googles and Facebooks, they did better than expected. And uh, the Amazons and Apples, not quite as good as expected. So, kind of a mixed bag there. And we know that the indexes are very, very top heavy and dependent on these big names. So it'll be interesting to see what type of follow through we have tomorrow after the decent down day, which uh, was right after we hit major resistance on the major indexes. Now let's get to a caller question that right now, live. Let's go to Kevin in San Francisco looking at Michael's M-I-K. Hi, Justin, yes. So I bought that Michael's about two years ago uh, it's been very significantly down since. So I want to know your thoughts on it. Should I hold? Should I? Is now a good time to buy? Uh, just I don't know what to do with it. Well, this is Michael's companies. They operate 1,274 Michael stores, so arts and craft stores, all across the country, and they're big, right? They're big. They offer framing, arts and crafts, etc. And this is one of those deep value plays that you know you you would worry in this environment that they would right go bankrupt but if you look at their balance actually yeah their balance sheet is they have about two billion dollars in debt that's the issue here sorry it was took me a second to pull it up yeah market caps 446 million their debt is 2.6 billion they have positive free cash flow last quarter let me look at the trend yeah but that's pretty up and down uh, it's, they do better during the Christmas season it looks like uh, you know I I would I would move on uh, just because of that debt level uh, clearly they're going to struggle they're a big box retailer uh, and a lot of that stuff that people need is online uh, and they probably need to shrink their square footage Right, but they have a lot of leases, probably long-term leases that they're stuck in. So I would move on from it. You've gotten, you've had a little bit of rally here. 
Uh, I don't like their debt level, uh, especially compared to their earnings and their cash flow, uh, and I would probably move on. Thanks for the call. Okay, thank you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. And I urge you to get in, get your call in sooner rather than later. Let's touch on our main talking point right off the bat here. Now, the Dow fell about 37% from peak to trough from the mid-February to March 23rd timeframe. That's a lot. It's a big, big drop, right? And it spooked a lot of people, uh, a lot of volatility that we haven't seen in many years, but it's also not unprecedented. So don't think that this is some, some level of volatility that is outside the norm. Yes, this pandemic and this problem with the economy is outside the norm, but the volatility within the markets were historically it's not crazy. High, yes, but not unprecedented. Okay, so a lot of new investors that have only maybe invested over the past decade, they might see that this as something that is is unprecedented, but it's really not. You know, the Fed has come in to try to save the day consistently for the past 10 years, and they've done so. And so it's conditioned people to expect a lower level of volatility than what you typically have seen over you know, the last 100 years in equities. Now, we've had a strong bounce, and that's also not unprecedented either. But what it does tell you is that the retracement to the lows, which I think is still likely, may be less severe or even less quick as it would otherwise. So the glass half full perspective is that you know the downturn might not be as bad. You know, because of the stimulus, maybe this is pricing in what money printing and stimulus out of government is going to take place over the next 12, 18, 24 months, right? Because the Fed and central banks aren't going to sit idly by. And they haven't. Now, once again, the, ha- the glass is half empty view is we're still probably in for a protracted downturn. Doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities, but the major indexes are, are likely to trend lower. This is the first wave, right? The, the drop in February and March was the first wave of a bear market. And typically bear markets don't end with one wave. Now, investor sentiment became very pessimistic and you got a nice bounce. And the recent bull bear uh, sentiment indicator that came out today actually showed that's pretty, it's, it's reversed in a lot of ways. So I think that's why you're starting to get this rollover here. So the Fed may take the worst case scenario off the table, but that doesn't mean you can't have a consistent downturn, which I think we're approaching. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have just posted a new April bonus show. We call it the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. Steve and I roll through 29 questions at a much quicker pace. Your unbiased guidance is waiting for you anytime at investtalk.com. Except for right now, it, it is down, so don't go there right now. You can search for our April bonus show. Please tell our friends about Invest Talk and our free podcast. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888 99 Chart. 
The COVID-19 pandemic has forced millions of people to stay home, which is getting in the way of everyone's normal exercise routine. Gyms are closed, people are stuck inside, and tightness and stiffness are afflicting us all. This is the perfect time to focus on your personal health and wellness. And I know you have heard me say this before, but recently I discovered this great product to reduce my pain and stiffness caused by sitting too long at my desk doing research and talking to clients. It has 13 all-natural ingredients and is sold in hundreds of doctor's offices, pharmacies, and gyms, and spas throughout the country. This muscle rub made by Quanta, a publicly traded applied science company, has patented technology proven to supercharge key ingredients and make them perform five times more effectively within the human body. It is optimized to drastically reduce both pain and inflammation naturally. I know this sounds too good to be true, but they have their white papers to prove it. I use their various health and wellness products every day and find a host of different benefits. Additionally, for a limited time, listeners of our program can receive promotional discount pricing at buyquanta.com. Use the promo code INVEST to save 20% on your first order. In fact, Quanta is so highly confident you'll be pleased with their products. That's why they offer a money-back guarantee if you aren't satisfied with the results. Again, simply use the code INVEST to save 20% at buyquanta.com. B-U-Y-Q-U-A-N-T-A dot com. You are listening to Invest Talk, and some states are reopening. So how quickly could our economy come back to life? You've got finance and investment questions? Call Invest Talk, 888 99 Hi, Steve and Justin. I was calling to ask about the stock Viacom, V I A C. It's dropped a lot since uh, everything tanked about a month ago, but it seems to me that once sports and everything get back up and running, especially football, I would assume they would go back up. Just wondering if you thought it was a good time to buy it. Thanks. Bye. Viacom. This is a company with a lot of debt, $18 billion in long term debt in the balance sheet. Market cap is about $10 billion. And the biggest issue here is advertising and cord cutting, right? Uh, they own uh, a lot of channels, uh, I believe Nickelodeon, BET, MTV, Comedy Central, VH1, obviously CBS Network, Showtime. So these are areas where they're getting subscription revenue from cable companies. And they're also selling ads. And we know that those are both areas that are very cyclical. And that's why you've seen this company in a, a downtrend. And it's been in a downtrend for some time. And I'd be interested to see if they're going to cut that dividend. It yields about 5% now based on previous cash flow. It's pay ratio is about 67%. But we know that's going to decline. right? We know that number is going to decline uh, once they report earnings, probably pretty dramatically. So I don't like the debt level. I don't like that it's a cyclical business. I don't like the downtrend in the stock. I would continue to wait on the sidelines on Viacom. Not a fan, especially in this environment. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. During these times when social distancing guidelines require most of us to work at home and stay at home, you probably have some additional discretionary time because you're not commuting. And you can't go visit your friends and do a lot of things. So I encourage you to explore our financial and investment information we have posted on our website, investtalk.com. If you're serious about achieving financial freedom, you have to be prepared for this market volatility. And you can start exploring, once again, at investtalk.com. 
And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. April is National Literacy Month. It was created to highlight the importance of financial literacy. The objective is to teach Americans how to establish and maintain healthy financial habits. And you are already on the right track by listening to Invest Talk. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions now. 888-99-CHART. Hello, guys. This is John out in Salt Lake City. I have a question about options. I sold an option with Chesapeake. had 100 shares for the cover call. And now they did the reverse split 200 to 1. So now I have one share at like approximately, today at close, I believe almost $20. I was wondering what happens to that option once it does reverse split. Uh, how do you determine if it's going to be in the money or am I required to do anything? Please let me know what happens to that option after they do that reverse split. I would really appreciate it. Thanks. Enjoy your show. You don't have to do anything. The your reverse splits don't mean anything when it comes to changing the value, underlying value of the security. All it does is change that price of the the shares. And it's a good reminder that, once again, the ultimate price a company trades for on the exchange means almost nothing. You should never look at that from, oh, this stock trades for 20 and that stock trades for 80 or that stock trades for 300. It, that that means very little in the grand scheme of things. It's all about earnings, cash flow, etc. Chesapeake, I don't. Know, I, I I your issue here to me is this is a company that's preparing for a file for bankruptcy. So yes, they had a reverse split, but this is a company that's on the brink of of bankruptcy. Like I said, so their market cap doesn't change, their debt levels don't change, uh, your strike price on the option will adjust. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that. But the fact that you own the underlying is what worries me the most, right? And this is the worst type of company that you want to do a cover call on. First off, if they emerge out of bankruptcy, your upside's going to be capped, right? Or if they somehow avoid it for a little longer, uh, they get a buyout, they get some financing, whatever, your upside's gonna be capped. And if they do file for bankruptcy, the value of the security is going to be worth nothing. So I would just unwind the trade because it doesn't. It's not a good type of business to be writing a cover call on. Uh, so that's just my take. But don't you know? Remember, when companies do reverse splits or ETFs do reverse splits, that is not a good thing. It's never a good thing. Companies don't do reverse splits because of positive outcomes. Right. Look at uh, USO. Right. USO just did uh, eight for one reverse split. Now it's a nineteen dollar stock. Doesn't change the fact that it's down th- you know ninety nine percent from its inception. Right. Chesapeake doing a reverse split doesn't change the fact that it's on the brink of bankruptcy. So never look at a reverse split as a positive thing. And don't think it changes the underlying value of the company or the asset that you hold. It doesn't. It doesn't do anything except for change the share price. Same with a, a split. Now, a split, t- 
typically it's a good thing. Price has gone up, company wants to make the, the share price lower for the average person, make it look more attractive, maybe have some better optics around it. I could see that. Usually that's a relatively good thing because of the price going up so much. But a reverse split almost never, ever, ever is a good sign. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8899 Let's touch on globalization a little bit. Now, because of travel bans, border closures, restrictions on medical exports, trading volumes across the globe are basically in a free fall. Supply chains are greatly disrupted. And the global order is very fragmented. And how we come out of that will be very interesting. There's a lot of politics around this. And the big question, are we going to emerge wiser and more resilient? And that depends on whether or not our politicians learn the right lessons. Are they going to overcompensate like the Bush administration did with uh, 9-11 attacks, right? With doing all these wars and, uh, you know, the, the security at airports, you know, did we go overboard? Probably. Now, even defenders of globalization today are now kind of acknowledging that there are flaws in the system. And it's about vulnerability of supply chains. It needs to be all about efficiency and lowering costs. And that's what's been driving de the deflationary force throughout global economies for, call it 20, 30 years, is globalization. But at least 75 countries, including con big countries like Germany, have restricted exports of critical med medical supplies. Also, we depend way too much on China, right? Uh, it supplies 42% of the world's personal protective equipment. And we depend on it for active pharmaceutical ingredients, generic drugs like penicillin. And that is a big problem. And I'm sure there are already are politicians in Washington that are looking to address this. Now, the big question is, how are we going to address it? How is that going to affect inflation in the economy? How is it going to affect different sectors of the economy? And just basically our way of life and our economy, our economic growth. So we're going to talk about this after the break. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. Numbers are elusive. I bought this stock last year at about $6.75. They're always changing. I got them at $3.99 and it took a major hit. First up, then down, then up again, or maybe sideways. What would be a good entry point? On Invest Talk, the focus is on numbers that affect our listeners and their portfolios. Carl in Ohio, he wants to talk about his 401k. Hi, Justin. Uh, Long-time listener of the show. I absolutely love it. Let's go to Dave in San Leandro. You've got to be prepared for volatility. I want to know what you think for someone like me. And they know it. I'm 31 years old. So the questions keep coming. Should I dollar cost average that? 24-7. 
how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? From every part of America. Hey, Steve and Justin. My name's Josh, calling from Buffalo, New York. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein analyze the complex patterns in those numbers and do their very best to decipher the potential meanings. Thanks for everything you guys do. And here's one number that keeps rising. More than 21 million InvestTalk podcast downloads. And for that, Steve and Justin thank their loyal listeners. I find you guys to be pretty much entirely trustworthy. So I'm curious, how do you do that? Independent thinking, shared success. It's all about the numbers. InvestDoc.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. The COVID-19 pandemic has turned everything upside down. But are we now seeing some light at the end of the tunnel? You've got finance and investment questions? Steve Peasley and Justin Klein have answers. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Ramiro from San Jose. Um, I was calling about Levi's Straws & Co. company, ticker symbol L-E-V-I. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. I'm not too familiar with retail stocks in general. At its highest point, it was at $24. Right now, it's at $13. I just wanted to ask to, to see what your guys' take on it and see if this is even a good long-term or intermediate stock to hold. Thanks. All right, looking at Levi Strauss, we know they make Levi's, Dockers, Levi Strauss and Company, Den- Denizen Brands. So I think everyone knows who Levi is, but they're a small company these days, relatively $5 billion market cap. Trailing 12 months, they've done about $5.8 billion in revenue. Positive free cash flow, which I like, about $371 million trailing 12 months. Clearly, they're going to take a hit because they're connected to the retail, retail channels, and many of those places are shut down. So in the near term, they're, they're probably going to struggle with profitability. But what I do like is that they have a pretty solid balance sheet, and they just issued about $500 million in notes, at only a 5% yield. So the bond market isn't pricing them like a distressed player or anything like that. So, and long term, their profitability remains pretty solid. Return on assets over the past uh, five years or so has ranged from about five, seven to ten percent, which is solid. A uh, little bit of financial leverage, which gives them a return on equity in the thirties, uh, which is very, very nice. Return on invested capital in the mid-teens, also very nice profitability. So, I like it. Uh, their dividends three point two percent, which isn't amazing, but you have a payout ratio of only 24%, very low. So I think they can sustain that dividend for some time. Earnings last quarter were up 5%, revenue up 5%, and I like that. I like the the cash flow, I like the balance sheet. Once again, near term, they're probably gonna have issues, but I like that it's Levi, It's, it's kind of your basic product. It's not this high-end, expensive brand that a lot of people are going to stop buying. They're, they're cheap jeans for you know your average person, and I kind of like that in this type of environment. So uh, I'm giving it a thumbs up on Levi. The technicals are not fantastic, uh, but I'm definitely seeing some divergence on the MACD, uh, and I like the underlying fundamentals of the business. Now let's keep it moving. Here comes another caller question from 888-99-CHART. 
Hey, Justin and Steve. Thanks for the show. I really appreciate it. Listen to it every day. And I have a question about gold in my 403B account. Um, I've heard you guys say many times that you generally don't prefer mutual funds, but in my 403B, the mutual fund is the only option. It's with Fidelity. So what I've been starting to build is just really small positions, but I'm want to thinking about continuing to build into the Fidelity Select Gold mutual fund. And I wanted to get your thoughts. Its ticker is F-S-A-G-X. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, if you have the ability to add this ETF, or sorry, mutual fund in your 403B, I would do it. I think that's great that you have that option. Most retirement plans have no funds that have any gold exposure, and that makes it very, very difficult uh, in this environment, right? Because the, that it's been the best performer uh, so far this year, and likely for you know the, the medium term. So. The fact that you have that available is great, and I think it's it's a solid fund. It's not the best fund, gold fund out there, but it's it's one of the better funds. And so, if you are limited to mutual funds only, this is a solid choice for the gold space. And uh, it's we own uh, for our managed accounts, we own about four of the top ten holdings within this particular mutual fund. So I like it. 888 chart, 888 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, before the break, I talked a little about globalization and what policy makers are considering and looking at when we come out of this pandemic and what global trade will look like, what globalization will look like after the dust clears, which may not be for a while, but policymakers are talking about it. And many are saying this is now a national security issue. In a lot of ways, like, uh, so coming out of the 70s and the oil crisis then, you had the US and allies building strategic petroleum reserve, like here in the United States. That's where that came from. And there's likely going to be something similar deployed for medical equipment, PPE, etc. Now, the big question is, how do you accomplish this? Now, Trump likes tariffs, and he is already talking about tariffs on China. He came out that today, even more, right? Going back, I guess, on the, the trade deal. But he's done this before, right? He imposed tariffs on steel. And for a little while, it helped our U.S. steel makers. But if you look at, for example, U.S. Steel X, it did very well for the first year, year and a half of Trump's presidency. And it hit a high in early 2018 of $45 a share. Now it's at $7.68 a share. So that did not solve their problems. The, the overall steel industry in the U.S. remains in dire straits. So what is the industrial policy going to look like. You know, economists say, you know, you're going to pick winners. But it can be done for narrow purposes and not expanded to everything. And that's what I think it's going to be at least to start, especially when it comes to medicine in general. Now, China hasn't so far it looks like restricted supply of a lot of these things. You know, they're still pumping out as much as they can, but 
they still have the option to, right? And I think that's really the issue. And we don't want to rely on our source of pharmaceutical drugs, for example, to be from one particular place. It's about decentralizing supply. And I think that's really what it's going to look like. You know, onshoring, you know, going back to factories with workers pumping out widgets, it's not going to happen. It's not the way the world works now. That's still going to be in low-cost, low-cost la low labor countries, which America is not one. So moving those to allies, I think, is probably where we're going to go, right? Moving production to places like Taiwan and Korea, South Korea, not North Korea, uh, you know, those type of countries in Southeast Asia that we have a good relationship with. And I think Congress is skeptical and worried about China dominating industries that can pose national security threats. And so that's what I think the future of our global economy is going to look like. More decentralized, less reliant on China. It's not going to be us producing widgets here in the United States. It's still, we're still going to produce high quality items. I think the government will incentivize certain industries to produce here in the United States. And I think that will happen. Uh, but it is also not going to happen overnight. But certain industries are definitely going to be impacted more than others. And it's certainly something to watch what policy comes out of this. And it could be wide ranging. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, And obviously, you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experienced market analysis. That's why you are listening. So I encourage you to subscribe to our KPP Premium Newsletter. It's written and distributed every single Friday straight to your email box. Now, in the newsletter, you get things like market analysis, portfolio management guidance, and stock ideas as well. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is InvestTalk. Steve and Justin have just recorded a new rapid-fire hour. At a faster pace, you can hear answers to 29 caller questions. The podcast download is free. Go to investtalk.com, search April Bonus Show. And now the phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Colin in Nebraska. Go Big Red. I'm just calling to talk about some stock idea websites. For example, one that's particularly interesting is senatestockwatcher.com. It tracks what stocks senators are buying and selling. And I've been using this as a jumping off point just uh, for a blind start to looking into a few stocks. Am I uh, in a wild goose chase here? Uh, where do you guys start to find stock ideas besides <laughs> the KPP podcast? Thank you very much. Love the show. I've never heard of that website. That'd be interesting to see what, what, you're, what you're looking at. Uh, certainly, that's one way to find stock ideas. Uh, senators and congressmen, we know that money in politics is deeply rooted. I don't think anybody can, can disagree with that. Uh, and there are some rules around what politicians can do when it comes to buying and selling certain stocks or stocks in, in certain companies. Uh, but we know that they tend to skirt the rules as well. So uh, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, definitely wouldn't be my only place and only source of, of buying stocks because government spending is only one part of, of the economy. Uh, 
right? And so, and just because a company lands a certain contract doesn't automatically make them great buys, right? The, there could be a small sliver of their business and the rest of the business can be falling off, right? And, and in a downtrend. So that's interesting. I definitely would probably consider looking at those type of names and understanding how does that fit into the grand scheme of their business. But it's also not something I would just, you know, buy those stocks blindly either. Now here's news of an event that has not occurred for a long time. Royal Dutch Shell has slashed its dividend for the first time since World War II. Obviously, profits are being wiped out because of this drop in oil demand and oil prices. Now, Shell is an Anglo-Dutch firm, one of the largest oil companies in the world. And they said in a statement today that they will cut its quarterly dividend to 16 cents per share from 47 cents per share. And this is a good lesson. The large, one of the largest companies in the world, one of the most stable companies in the world, has cut their dividend. And this goes back to what we've been saying for a while now. We get calls all the time of people chasing dividends. It's yielding 12%, 15%, 20%, and they're chasing that dividend. Well, guess what? Companies can cut their dividend like that, eliminate their dividend like that. GM just did it, right? And not only do you not get the dividend, but usually the stock is falling as well. Double whammy. And on top of that, many of the companies that pay high dividends have poor balance sheets because they've just constantly pumped money to shareholders. A lot of times they're their own executives. And they do that with borrowed money, leveraging up balance sheets. So when we talk about dividend investing, dividend investing is not about how what's the dividend yield today. It's not. It's about what will the dividend yield be in the future going forward? Sometimes that could be static. It could be a no growth company and that's stable. It could also mean, hey, this is a strong company that has good leadership, good profitability, continues to grow its dividend. It only yields one and a half percent today, but it has a history of growing that dividend and will can likely consistently grow it over time. And five years from now, the dividend yield on the price today is maybe two, three, four times what it is. Or go the other way. Like I said, companies like World Dutch Shell, GM, they're in very cyclical businesses. They have a lot of debt in their balance sheet. And when companies get into financial trouble, the very first thing they cut is the dividend. So just be aware of that. Now let's see if I can squeeze in another caller question that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. longtime listener here from Minnesota, and I love your show. Thank you guys for all the knowledge you give us. I've been looking at um, REGN, but that one has taken off here in the last three weeks, and I'm afraid I might have missed a boat. I don't know if it would still be good to get in on it, even at the higher prices. But I've also been looking now at Eli Lilly. I believe it's LLY. I was wondering what you thought of uh, that stock. Seems to have. 
Uh, I like Eli Lilly. Uh, I think this is a, a solid name. I like the healthcare space overall. Once again, only 1.9% dividend, but it's been growing over time. Right? Earnings in 2014 were only $3.03 a share, and this year they're supposed to make $6.74. So doubled their earnings over uh, a six, seven-year time frame. Earnings are supposed to go 12% this year, 15% next year. Now, it's not the cheapest stock in the world. I will say that. It's definitely not on the cheap side, but in this environment, you you want to look for more stable businesses than the companies that look, quote unquote, cheap. Cheap to me is consistent, stable business, especially in this environment. A lot of people, a lot of companies are looking, quote unquote, cheap, but that's based on pre-COVID world. You want to be buying companies that are, you know, good values, solid companies in the post-COVID world. And I think Eli Lilly is one of those. Not cheap, probably near close to value, but uh, I like it overall. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here, and that's to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom, and our work continues after this break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, in quarter one, the U.S. GDP was forcibly downsized, by 4.8%. And the biggest drags on the economy included consumer spending, exports, and inventories. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here. He'll have unbiased answers, but you have to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to James in New York. He wants to talk about mortgages. How are you tonight? Good, good. Can do for you? Um, yeah, so what I wanted to know is I wanted to verify uh, the following um, piece of information. So if you if one pays their mortgage early, meaning like I have a mortgage that's due on May 1st, I have paid that. I have a mortgage that's mm-hmm. due on June 1st. I have also paid that. Does the early payment of that mortgage, does that essentially mean that I'm not paying interest on that month. I've paid it early and therefore, you know, I'm saving interest every time I do that. Is that accurate? Yes, that, that, that is accurate. Now, sometimes mortgages have what is called prepayment penalties and every mortgage can be a little bit different, but in general, yeah, you're, what you're saying is you are, uh, avoiding paying interest on that amount for the entire month, right? So you're you're over time you're going to save a lot of money if you can prepay your your mortgage payment sooner rather than later. If you have the money, don't wait until the date that it's due. Try to pay that a little bit earlier and over time if you consistently do that, you can save you know, a year, two, three years on that mortgage and get that uh, that paid down sooner. So definitely something everyone should consider uh, that strategy if they have the money. Make sense, James? And obviously paying uh, extra on top of the principal also expedites that as well, of course. Yep, yep. That's a good way to you know, kind of force savings. Uh, now, it's the, the harder thing is it's harder to get that money out, but at least you're effectively, if you're 
pay down that mortgage, you're effectively guaranteeing earning whatever your mortgage rate is on that money that you use to pay down the mortgage. So uh, that's definitely a good strategy. It's a conservative strategy, but we tend to be more conservative. So I like that strategy. Thanks for the call, James. Let's go to Sunny in San Jose, looking at Dine Brands Global. Do you own it? Or are you looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it. Okay. Why? What? What do you? What do you like about it? I like the restaurants that it covers. Um, so since the restaurant market okay. is down, I believe that in the long run it might go up and it might be a good buy. So you like IHOP and Applebee's? You like those brands? Is that you're saying? Yes. Okay. Well, the big issue here is clearly this is a space that is different in the post-COVID world, and they have a lot of debt, $1.2 billion in debt on their balance sheet, $730 million market cap, and that worries me, um, is, is that it's that level of debt, uh, their operating yield looks great, but once again, that's looking backwards in a pre-COVID world. Earnings came out, and earnings were down 24%. Revenue was down 13%. And that was just with two weeks of shutdown, right? So the stock uh, is down about two bucks on that news. Uh, but I'm not a fan of it. I would pass. I don't like the debt. I don't like the, the industry as a whole. It's too risky for me. I don't, me personally, I don't love those brands. I know they're consistent. They're, they have a lot, a lot of presence. They're very profitable businesses uh, if they're running in full capacity, but I don't see that anytime soon right? because of the mandates around social distancing, having people go into these restaurants, and a lot of them, they're mandating that they're a third full, and it's just too hard to operate. There's a lot of leases that I think they're going to have trouble getting out of, renegotiating, so I definitely would pass on Dine Brands. Thanks Thanks for the call. Now, quickly, let's touch on real estate. New York City real estate is struggling right now, rent defaults. Uh, maybe I'll get into this topic next next time I do this show. Uh, but very interesting to see what's happening in New York City, really the epicenter of this pandemic. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Monday. Steve Pease will be here tomorrow, but please remember to download our April bonus show podcast. We call it the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. It is free, and please tell your friends about Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. 
Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 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 